0: I met Teresa. What was it? Maybe uh, it was, was it a, roughly a year and a half? Maybe.
1: I think so. Yeah, it was when so I started. Tough. Started at at uh, Page, and you were mm-hmm. the first one to leave, like right when I started.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah but I, I promise. Yeah, <laughs> and I promise you, it was not Teresa who made yeah, me. Go. Right? <laughs> it was not.
1: You guys were at the same place. You were working at the same place.
0: At one point, yeah, we were at a, a company called RealPage, and to Teresa's point, uh, I think I left probably a month or two after you came in.
1: It sounds about right. Yeah, we didn't get to work on a project or anything. So no,
0: not no, unfortunately. But. but the future is the future is here. It's coming.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who would, have, who would have thought? Were you Were you doing UXD back then? You were too, right? I've Been with it for a while.
0: Yeah, going pretty strong, you know, they're working on their first group project right now. And it's a uh, they're doing its client work. And they're they're building a website for uh, an organization. They're working on their uh, web presence and digital presence right now. So it's going pretty well.
1: Nice. that's good get that like real world experience that's really when you get a taste of how, how hard yeah. it is to do what we want to do
0: right right. Can you give us a little bit of your background and how did you land into your position?
1: Oh my gosh UX research I've been uh, right so right now I'm an experienced researcher at uh, project Proto. Mm-hmm. 2 um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I don't know if you, you've heard of us in a while but we are um, a consultancy in Addison. And uh, yeah, we, we do client work. Um, so I've worked in uh, consultancy before, actually before mm-hmm. our real page. So I've been in, I've done, I've done UX research for like startups. I've done it for uh, in-house enterprise and mm-hmm. uh, HC consultancy. And they're all very different environments. Right. But it's, it's good to get that experience. But I, I have a background in uh, journalism. So oh. For, yeah, yeah, for journalism. And uh, uh, <laughs> the skills, they transfer mm-hmm. over. Well, because you got to interview people, you want to take really complex information and just steal, mm-hmm. like understandable, simple terms. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's been really good. I and, and a lot of the video stuff I did like I used to do broadcast news, so I was like on TV, and it was awful. I hated it. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> I I got you. you. You said you you worked at you know uh, for startups and enterprise. Does your approach to starting a project differ in both or do you have like a go-to method that you always start off with
1: um I the biggest difference uh is probably being being in-house is nice because you, you get to be part of a project or at least part of the same domain for a lot longer um, and from mm-hmm. a researcher's point of view, that's awesome because you know, researchers, we just want to know everything about everything, and that, that mm-hmm. takes time, you know, you, can't, you can you can—you have, like, a pretty good, uh, what we call a discovery session, so it's when you get to know um, mm-hmm. the project and the team and, and the domain, and you do, like, some interviews to, to find that information, mm-hmm. um, but the approach, I guess, um, I guess being a consultant, so you, you feel like you have to really sell what you do, because, I mean, mm-hmm. I think you always kind of do, but definitely in this type of environment, um, you mm-hmm. really have to hold yourself to like, I would say maybe a little bit of a higher standard.
0: Mm-hmm. Background in journalism, that you went to college for that, correct?
1: I did, yeah, journalism and a digital broadcast, yeah.
0: Okay, how did you get introduced into UX?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, and I like this one, because it forces me to talk about why I got out of journalism. Um,
0: right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so with journalism, you know, like reporting the news and working in the news like industry, you, mm-hmm. your job is to like uncover the truth right Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. it's not really in your realm to solve the problems that you uncover and explain to people and Mm -hmm. that always didn't really sit well with me like you you know you're supposed to be unbiased which I don't really I think that's impossible Mm personally but um it's just you know there's a lot of other stuff too but that was kind of the, the main the main thing that turned me off from it um so you know I had to do a lot of like soul searching and digging to figure out what i really liked about it and what i didn't and so one of the things i really liked was was getting information and
2: yeah
1: um not like an Mm -hmm. interior kind of way sometimes if i have to but Mm -hmm. um (laughs) uh, and really just and so i actually i stumbled into technical writing first
0: Um, okay
1: yeah so that so what tech writers do is they 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 document things they write instruction manuals um whether Mm it's like hardware or like appliances or, well, or software, that's another type of tech writing. Mm-hmm. Um, what I found was that um, they they were like the old school first people to probably work with personas. Ah. Yeah, I really about okay. that idea. Yeah, because they have to know who they're writing these instructions for, right? Like,
0: if right.
1: you know how to use the product, you got to understand who's using it. Um, mm-hmm. But the problem I found with that, too, was that tech writers, by the time that they get a product on their desk and they have to document it, it's already Mm -hmm. been designed. It's already been designed. And they have to basically write instructions to address the things that are wrong with the product that people don't So I was like, okay, there has to be a better way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that's that's design. That's the stuff that you all are learning right now, how to actually design a product from from the beginning stages for it to be good and to hopefully Mm. not like need instructions you can't always have that scenario but um right yeah yeah and getting to know your users at that point and then understanding how to you know correct your problems and stuff as you go um yeah that's what brought me into ux i actually do have a question about your transition from being a tech writer to then ux was it kind of like an easy transition of like oh i'm in a place a space that's like a place that uxers are so i'm just going to go in or did you just have to like revamp your resume and everything and try to find a UX job. Yeah, that's another good segue into a whole other adventure that I had. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so with, with tech writing, I never actually, um, I never got a job in tech writing. I did a lot mm-hmm. of uh, volunteering for like this local organization for tech writers. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of in between those phases, like I took like a tech writing course and it was kind of like a, it was an online Class similar to this actually, I think it was like six weeks in like the evenings, and then after I mm-hmm. took that, I was like, oh, I don't know if this is for me. But then I found about UX, and this is where like my my video production skills came in handy because mm-hmm. um, what I what I found was like I just saw on meetup.com back, back when that was a thing, and we mm-hmm. a <laughs> so, yeah. Um, there was a uh, there was this uh, startup. They were like a media startup called. Um, mm-hmm. Expose UX. So it what the concept was like a show, basically, kind of mm-hmm. like Shark Tank.
2: Yeah, so it's, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So instead of like billionaire investors like Mark Cuban and all those guys, there's, there's like a it was a panel of user experience experts, and they mm-hmm. would have startups come on the show and pitch their show idea or, or either pitch their product, and then they, the UX people would you know break it down from a from a design mm-hmm. perspective. So. Nice. Uh, that was yeah, it was cool. You could yeah, that it.
0: sounds cool as shit.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, so it was it was really like non traditional way to break into an industry. It's like taking skills from your, you know, past career and then leveraging it to build the network. So what was cool was we got um, access to a lot of experts in the field and we ended up touring with this show like all over like the West Coast. Like mm-hmm. we went over to like way over to California, we filled in like nine or ten different cities and it was just this crazy like three-week road trip where we just we scheduled shows in like all these different tech cities and then we finally came back to texas um in mm-hmm. dallas and we we filmed our finale at big design conference this was like mm-hmm. 2017. Mm-hmm. um yeah but that really um that was kind of I, I treated that whole like year or so as kind of like my education in ux um, right, I I couldn't like afford some of the really expensive uh, programs that were out there. Like SMU has one that was like out of my price range at the time. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's that's how I, I found my way into it, and it was directly through someone that I worked with at the sh- with the show. He was actually like our new host when we like rebranded. Mm-hmm. He ended up like hiring me
2: <laughs> for <Yeah. laughs>
1: a research role at his consultancy, and I got to work on like like a really big brand, like Toyota. That was my first big, big mm-hmm. with that with that job, so.
0: How was that experience?
1: The Toyota? Or Toyota, Sh- yeah. Oh, um, I think I'm past the NDA stage now, so I can probably talk about it. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing. Yeah, yeah. It,
1: was, it was a really cool project. It was, um, they were sort of assembling this, like a team of multiple researchers um, to conduct usability testing. Um, mm-hmm. and you'd be surprised how many big companies and products and brands out there have like never done usability testing. Yes, yes. <laughs> it blows your mind, Like,
0: right? like what? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, you got all this
0: money, like what are you doing? Like,
1: No, um, yeah, but it's it's interesting. It was, um, what we did was kind of simulated a car, like a driving experience. We didn't have like the budget for like an actual car to like mm-hmm. test it, but um, we, we just like turned the conference room into sort of like the inside of a car. So we had like an iPad because it was like a touchscreen type of software. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. like the video game steering wheel. <laughs> 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 And, uh, and then a camera, like a couple of cameras for usability testing, um, We just kind of, it was kind of a ragtag team at first, but we really developed a good process for it that um, hadn't been in place for this company yet. So it was mm-hmm. a really cool opportunity.
0: And that type of activity, have you, were you experienced doing something like that before or was that the first time you've been introduced to that sort of technique?
1: Um, that was, yeah. it was time like that. Yeah. Before that, um, the only real work I had done was just like a, it was like a portfolio piece that I did for mm-hmm. this other startup, which which actually was about ride sharing in cars. It was for U T Arlington. Um, this mm-hmm. one's a startup over there. Um, that mm-hmm. was about, it was kinda like like Lyft but for college students, sort of related experience talking to someone who's actually driving and riding along with them okay. and observing were doing but this was way way different and it was such a big client so it was kind mm-hmm. of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are some of your favorite projects you worked on it's funny i can think of like the worst ones those are the ones I can... <laughs> you can do that too.
0: Well, i mean explain those too
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yeah let me talk about some of the like I don't want to call them horror stories. They're yeah. horror stories because of the client and not because of the users. I will say that. The users right. are, never, are never evil, they're never bad, they're just users.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're
1: kind of, you know, yeah, but um, a really difficult client was this really huge um, financial services client. It's. Mm-hmm. I would say if you th- if you could think of like t- like the, the big three like consulting financial companies on like Wall Street or whatever. This mm-hmm. is this, this was them and mm-hmm. and they were they were doing like this digital transformation um, thing. Which you'll hear that buzzword a lot. Uh, Digital, yeah. we want to, we want to be modern and all techie and uh,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> gosh, the, I mean the, the that space was difficult because they had never worked in like a sort of agile environment before, mm-hmm. and so not only are you researching their product, you are also training them how to work in a way that is not a part of their culture. Yeah, <laughs> very hard. It's it's mm-hmm. a lot of politics, like that's you know people don't realize how much design and research is actually more than about pixels. It's about politics.
0: Going
1: ahead and deal with your stakeholders and facilitating your process just as much as you're good at doing it.
0: When you speak to process, how do you explain your research process to someone who just found out about UX and wants to get into it? It's a good question.
1: I like to think of it as, so with design, you know, mm-hmm. you're solving for um, interactions as far as like UX and software, but with Mm -hmm. research, you're solving for a lack of information.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And it's a similar, but different problem. Um, And one, you know, they both kind of inform each other, but with research, you really, I think, I think if you're trying to get into research, you're probably a naturally resourceful and curious person. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's, it's one thing that you should always remember that you are when you feel like, you know, the research that you're doing isn't, clicking with your team, just know that the core of your process is that, is that, Mm -hmm. you know, you you are there to to get information and to get the Mm -hmm. information that's relevant to the team and to be more or less unapologetic about reporting it honestly and in a way. So for process, I mean, it's um, the first thing, the first type of research ideally that you wanna do, hopefully that your project is scoped for it is um, the, understanding of the problem, first off. Mm-hmm. And the, sp- the problem in the problem space is the first thing. And then after that, the users. Um, usually sometimes, though, like I know that especially my, uh, my corporate job, as uh, you might know, Everett, mm-hmm. um, we would always start <laughs> off with like the users and um, just like usability testing. So that's just like a really straight up way of putting users in front of like a piece of software and just having them use it and then seeing how they use it, which is, which is good, but it's always better to start off understanding who your users are first. It's like if you had a friend, right? You knew someone who was going through like some kind of a problem and you wanted to help them, you would want to understand more about who they are first before just diving in and trying to solve their problems for them. No one Mm -hmm. wants that. (laughs) right
2: right (laughs) and and
1: that you could actually end up doing more damage um if you you don't seek to understand before you solve problems so in a really like general vague high level way that's that would be how i approach research for the most part
0: starting out with a, a new client um let's say someone who's making that digital transformation and actually trying to increase their digital presence and all that sort of thing um and they have a business but they're all over the place right how do you know what kind of questions to ask how do you know what kind of questions to ask is it more or less just from experience or do you have a set amount of questions that you ask every time to start a project
1: oh my gosh every every project is kind of different i really i really think about who it is that i'm working with so sometimes mm-hmm. um you will be working maybe it's with the marketing team mm-hmm. and you start to try to get into their heads like what's a marketing person driven by you know
2: mm-hmm. like who,
1: who, I think about like who who when they're when they're working at their desk who is standing behind them breathing down their neck making sure they do <laughs> yeah job. you want to make them look good right because that's why mm. they you. that's why they're paying you to come in and do this research so you think yeah sometimes it's marketing sometimes it's um, maybe another design team who needs some extra help um, maybe mm-hmm. it's just like uh, maybe it's the you know more businessy sales people. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's understanding your audience in the sense of who you're working with just as much as it is about who's using the products that you're, that you're solving for. So I, I try to always take the business side of it, right? Part mm-hmm. that Sometimes research and designers don't really want to deal with. They just want to like do the stuff like yeah. they, they were called to do, you know, their craft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Asking questions to understand the business model is, is a really good place to start.
0: Business model. That's one of the things that I'm making sure that i introduce introducing to the students here is that understanding um, how to make a product into a business and understanding just the ins and outs of that, because I feel like we're not getting enough of that in our education. What is your philosophy around education? Do you feel we should be um, improving more or less college or putting more resources into boot camps?
1: As someone who's, who's getting into it or like just as an industry as a whole or?
0: Both. I know for me, a lot of people that I've asked stumbled or found this field, right? There's a disconnect on how we're finding it. I'm wondering, should that be taught more from colleges or we need more boot camp?
1: Okay. Yeah. That, okay. This is something I'm thinking about a lot lately. So mm-hmm. um, I, I really wish that there were more apprenticeships at mm-hmm. companies. Um, P202 actually has something like this, It's they, they have it more for like developers and maybe some designers right now. I'm, I'm trying to see if they're going to do it for researchers, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, it's so hard to like get your first job without that first experience. Yeah. You know, the whole chicken or the egg, whatever thing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: well, how are you going to get experience if you don't get your first job?
2: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> it was really hard to me like a solid, oh God, mm-hmm. it took me to get my first job.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: um but it's a grind and and as far as like education and how you you teach yourself or you, where you learn to do it um mm-hmm. there are no rules it's you're right you know mm-hmm. everyone come from different areas like at uh at real page for instance mm-hmm. when i was um i i came from a journalism background we had someone else who came from like uh social sciences like she
2: used
1: to be a therapist yeah yeah
0: yeah and
1: And someone else came from academia from like a like a formal anthropology background Mm -hmm. i was the only one just like you know i had i had a a bachelor's degree but it wasn't related to research necessarily everyone else like a lot of researchers this is i feel kind of like imposter syndrome sometimes like i'm sometimes the only person on the team who's a researcher with like quote unquote just right because researchers are nerds and a lot of them come from like masters and phds and stuff but right right it's a different type of knowledge it's a different way of approaching problems um and with with tech you're looking at applied research a lot of the times so Mm -hmm. what's awesome about design and research is that the more diverse viewpoints that you have in the room the better Mm -hmm. the more the more ways of looking at problems better um and I think there's a lot of value in having a community to learn with. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you ask anyone who's like been a UX team of one, that can be extremely like isolated. Yeah.
0: It is, yeah. yeah. I've been on some really small like design teams in my career. I've, I've had a mix. The small ones really test everything about you. <laughs> At the end of the day, they test everything, your patience. Uh, my students hear enough about it. It's, it's, it's tough. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I think that there are definitely some things that I, I wish I had a little more formal education about um, a lot like what? of what like, oh, both design and research stuff, just, just some of the methodologies. Um, mm-hmm.
0: i would
1: learned and pick things up really quickly, especially on the job. And when you get thrown into a situation, you're going to learn, you know, <laughs> you're going to learn to take a job and to do a good job with it when you're starting out. Um, but it's good to just diversify your your sources of information also.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, don't just go out and network, you know, keep those relationships and then keep asking questions of people who, you know, are, are invested in you becoming a better researcher or designer. Mm-hmm. And those mm-hmm. are the ones who are really going to, you know, they see something in you and they want to see you do well. And if you do well, it's a good reflection on them. So it's not like a weird, you know, conflict of interest where someone's just trying to
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: put a feather on their hat, you know, or be, like, performative mentor. Right. There's, 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 I've run into a couple of those before, too. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: But a lot of, like, design, interaction design type of things. Mm-hmm. And, and that's mm-hmm. more because I'm not much of a designer, but... Um, right. Yeah. And then, yeah, I don't know. I guess, like, research. There's just a lot that I had to learn on the job for research in terms of, like... Uh, some of the very technical research things, like statistics, um, mm-hmm. really complex, like quantitative data. As I have, mm-hmm. like journalism is, is much more like qualitative. Um, right. Yeah, like you're asking questions, you're using your instincts, and you're combining qualitative things. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I don't want to say abstract. Some of it is abstract, but like with numbers. Um, I, I was never like very good at math in school. <laughs> I, I like to break stereotypes of Asians sometimes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Not very good>. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> I, but speaking of that, though, how has been your experience as an Asian person in this field? Do you feel like you've seen enough representation of yourself? Have you seen enough representation in any of your stops um, of a multitude of groups at all? I know for me, RealPage by far is one of the ones that I've seen the most diversity on a team. And when I was at Seven Eleven, but how about you?
1: RealPage was the number one most diverse team. Really? Yeah. Both in terms of, of like um, ethnicity um, and cultural mm-hmm. background, but also like um, professional background. Like I was saying, mm-hmm. with research team, people came from all different types of backgrounds. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: On the other hand, if you stepped outside of the UX team, it was very much mm-hmm. not that way. Uh, we were very much an anomaly at that company
2: <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> it was, it was I think it was built intentionally to be that way because the you know whoever the people who started it between like the VP level all the way down to like directors and managers they had an understanding of like wanting to recruit a diverse um, team that's what makes good design but um, outside of that, I would say that it is is very homogenous. is very mm-hmm. homogenous. Um we uh, at 2 too, actually, we're just um, going through as a lot of other uh, companies are right now, going through like auditing, you know, diversity and, and different data um, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And even here, um, you know, we're in the South also. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's very homogenous. And, and the statistics, the way they break down is, is Asians are actually, um, you know, out of all the, when you talk about like minorities, we're, were mm-hmm. represented in like the double digits or whatever, like within the company. But if you mm-hmm. get the upper levels of management, um, we are actually less represented than all the other groups.
0: Right, right. Yeah, it's
1: really, really interesting.
0: So looking into that information, I mean, does that set anything off in you or trigger anything that says, I got to spring into action and like maybe bring awareness to that? Or do you think in terms of maybe when you're doing your own outside projects, that you want to create a more inclusive environment rather than hoping your work environment will actually uh, improve?
1: Depends on the day.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, you
1: know, or, I, I I like that I can be honest and real. like, you know, it's honestly yeah, yeah. I, I do just feel like I we, we just need to like just turn it all down and just build something new. Um,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah, I go back and forth on that, but for the most part for the most part, I will say that I I'm kind of just an activist by nature um i've mm-hmm. always just i've always just been that way ever since i was like even in high school um mm-hmm. and like if i see something that that is wrong or or not just i just want to fix it um
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: this field probably attracts that sort of mindset and personality you know mm-hmm. um, to mm-hmm. do it in a very like empathetic way so honestly like being asian i recognize that like I have a lot of like um, privilege with my like closeness, my proximity to whiteness. I'm, like, I consider myself brown because I'm Southeast Asian. Um, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Just different from East Asian. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, kind of existing in like this liminal space, right? Because mm-hmm. um, at least in America, I think that discussions around race tend to be black and white, and so you know we get split up, and you know. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh,
1: in some of these conversations but i think that i I, i'm thinking of it more in terms of an advantage that i can experience a little bit on more of both sides and offer a little bit more nuance to situations and conversations Mm -hmm. Uh, and then sometimes i feel like like it's very draining having to educate people in the workplace and especially it being the workplace and you have to kind of be delicate with some of those conversations with people who don't know how to have these conversations yet. So there are some days like, um, Mm -hmm. I feel like I need to just like, be on mute, turn my video off for this particular meeting. Um, Yeah. We've been been meeting a lot about like uh, DEI initiatives and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we've self-selected into a group of people who want to work on this. There are um, Black researchers and Black designers at our company.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: but some of them aren't in these conversations and that's completely understandable yeah. and like yeah. no, no one's obligated to do this um, mm-hmm. yeah there's there's good people out there wanting to do the work so
0: i appreciate your comments around that too because you know it's um not just black people but a lot of marginalized groups are really asking for it hey you know that recognition and to you know speak up so recognizing that you know you have you know, your own privileges that allow you to mix well within those spaces and to be able to be a champion for people who aren't in those spaces. I think that's really commendable. So I appreciate that. But I want to bounce back to a comment you said earlier when you're reporting you're like your findings unapologetically. Do you feel in some way, is that attributed to your ethnicity when you're given the information or gender as well? Or is it more or less just the job of a researcher? hearing that truth that way and it hurts
1: oh dang that's a good question you should have been in journalism <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's awesome. there's a lot wrapped up in that answer and i would say that to the first point mm-hmm. i would say it's actually like being unapologetic is actually an antithesis to the mm-hmm. way that i'm perceived as an asian and especially as an asian woman mm-hmm. um, we're generally you know expected to be quiet and timid mm-hmm. and not speak up and just let people walk all over us um mm-hmm. and you know i don't think of myself as that sometimes honestly it like yeah certain, certain situations i'm just like oh my god this is a train wreck and yeah. i just wanna, like hang back but um to the second point I would say that, can you rephrase your question again?
0: The word unapologetically is what's got to me. I'm trying to figure out if it's you being an Asian woman and you have all these stereotypes clouding you when you're giving this information, or is it just, I've been in situations where it's like, oh God, here come the researchers again. You know, it's like, you know, it's like they're going to tell us some shit yeah. that we don't want to hear. So like, <laughs> is it that or is it something else deeper?
1: See, it's it's probably both, but you know, the like insidious thing about, like white supremacy is that you're constantly questioning yourself internally. Right. Is it, are they upset with me because of what I'm saying or is it because they're upset with who's saying it? And that's just really, really like taxing mentally, emotionally and psychologically is, you know.
0: Cause ultimately Um, I'm trying to get to how do you, how do you deal with that? I mean, I know for a lot of us that shit is tough and it's like, especially for me being, you know, as direct and, you know, I try to get to the point I know in the back of my head, I have to worry about the optics of it. It's like, okay, the angry black man trope. So I have to be strategic on how I maneuver and give my opinion. So I was just wondering, how do you deal with that?
1: A few ways. So thankfully I don't, I don't drink.
0: Yeah. <laughs> don't drink. That's mm-hmm.
1: if I did.
2: <laughs> right. Right.
1: Uh, it's a lot of it is, is focusing on doing really good work. Really mm-hmm. good work. Um, you know, with, with, the acknowledgement that sometimes what that means, uh, like a standard of good work is something that um, people who are from marginalized communities have to even work extra hard to get to. Right. But it's still something to strive for. And that's something that is, is no one can argue. If you're doing good work, no one can argue that. Um, Mm -hmm.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. So that's, I would say first and foremost is that. And then also um, building allies in different mm-hmm. parts different parts of the company too. Not even just your UX team, building in right. class that allows, like making friends with somebody from marketing, making friends with, you know, mm-hmm. whoever can. And uh you know and, and I like to think of it as as building genuine connections, right? Yeah. Uh, I know some people who do it and it's very clear that they have like this agenda, you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. But like I said, it's a lot of, a lot of this is like politics and relationships. And, and you have to play. You have to play that game sometimes. Um, yeah. So you can't not play it. Mm-hmm. Sucks that that's not an option. But
0: um, Have you tried to not play it?
1: When I first started, I didn't because, A, I didn't feel comfortable doing it. I felt mm-hmm. like I was very out of my element. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I was fortunate, though, to have um, a manager who was really good about answering the questions that I had about right. politics. He's, he's the one who was dealing with all those different stakeholders. And um, he's mm-hmm. very about explaining some of these relationships. And mm-hmm. you know, like, th- there would be some meetings where I would not understand why something we said didn't sit very well with them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and a lot of it has to do with like, yeah, what what's this person's A, what's their understanding of what we do? And then B, like, what incentives are driving them you know yep. like a lot of that stuff so yeah it sucks not to play because you don't know what's going on around you you don't know the context and the environment of the work that you're doing and that's
2: mm-hmm.
1: as important as the actual work i got a question Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: um can you describe like a, a day in the life of like you know with you being like a ux researcher like how do you approach products how do you approach daily tasks um so with research, there are different methodologies. Um, the, I would say like the bread and butter one would be usability testing. Um, mm-hmm. So for research, you know, in order to conduct a study, you have to have A, obviously the product, you have to have the users, so the people that you often have to recruit. Recruiting is mm-hmm. a very difficult thing sometimes. Yeah. Um, so you got to have your recruit. You have to design the test. You have to design the actual like script um, mm-hmm. And a day, I, an average day, it could just be caught up in meetings. It could be, um, my favorite days are the ones where I actually get to conduct sessions with mm. participants. Um, I, I don't get to go out into the field as much as I, I would like, obviously, right now.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs>
1: site. Um, and p uh, 202 and is, is a place where they will, they will actually like, fly you out to different states and cities and um, even countries to go mm-hmm. observe your users in the actual space that they're using it in. So whether it's mm-hmm. like office desk or you know, wherever they're using your product, um, those are my favorite days. Um, those are the days where um, it's challenging. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot like journalism when you're going out into the field. Um, you kind of never know what's gonna happen. And right. what I like to do is to bring uh, designers with me. I like to bring stakeholders with me. Whoever is involved with the outcome of this product Mm-hmm. needs to see like where the rubber hits the road and that's like when users are actually using it. So um, some, some environments can be really complex, like you have um, like cameras, um, sometimes they're photos, sometimes they're actual videos. Um, mm-hmm. there's, a lot, there's a lot to juggle. Um, what I try to do is bring a note taker with me so that I can focus yeah. on, on being present with the participant and being present to like the whole environment. Um, And that just looks so different depending on what product you're looking at like if you're Mm -hmm. working on Toyota or some other car you know you'll have you'll Mm -hmm. actually be in a car and be distracting if they're driving especially Um, that's like my favorite end of the spectrum my least favorite is probably like emailing people recruiting people Um, if if it's really nice when you have like um, a more robust research team or just like organization in general that will give you um, a lot of support so that you can just focus on the research, but sometimes you do have to worry about the administrative things like that, like scheduling participants is usually what you'll have to do. Um, uh, and some days you're just like stuck in spreadsheets all day looking at mm-hmm. data. Um, I don't always mind that because that's a nice way to find patterns, but there's one other uh, really cool thing that Project 202 kind of, it's, it's like our other bread and butter, it's called a wall lock, Mm-hmm. So, um, but basically imagine like a conference room with just like walls and walls of sticky notes, mm-hmm. all of, it, mm-hmm. all of You've probably seen like stock photos of that now, like mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> showing our process. But what I love about that is that what, what that really is um, in, in, in the case of this research methodology, it's a uh, affinity diagram. And it's when you just conducted a whole bunch of interviews, whether they were done, you know, remotely over Zoom or or whatever, um, all of your notes are now on sticky notes. So you have one idea per sticky note. And then an affinity diagram is is I love it because it's very visceral. Like you're actually walking like back and forth along this wall. You're taking mm-hmm. your notes and, you're, and you're putting different clusters of sticky notes together based on like what you're trying to learn. Mm-hmm. And um you bring your client in too and then you walk you walk the wall with them and then you Mm -hmm. show them things you point them things you let them kind of move stuff around too and it really Mm -hmm. gets them involved with the process um
0: gotcha yeah
1: it's just as much about having them learn along with you rather Mm -hmm. than you doing all the research by yourself and it's like all in your head and no one else knows about it until you report it that's really um yeah it's a team sport design is definitely a team sport so is research
0: Can you speak to the pros and cons? I mean, one of the obvious cons is being by yourself, but can you speak to some of the pros and cons of being the only researcher or one of a very, very small team?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So um, the cons are easier. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I kind of alluded to like the administrative stuff. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. The other challenge with that is uh, if you're the only researcher, that probably means that not many other people in the company know what you do. So right. um, you, you hear the word like uh, evangelizing a lot. I don't really like mm-hmm. that word. It's like mm-hmm. weird religious connotations for me. Yeah, <laughs> I like the word championing. You're championing, championing what you do. Um, and a lot of times that means educating people. Um, mm-hmm. And really, like if, if, if you do it right, people will just like – naturally be like wow that makes a lot of sense how can we haven't been doing that it's just Mm -hmm. so logical and then if you can get them really excited about it um, that's good sometimes that is a con sometimes it's not Um, Mm -hmm. the other one is if you're the only researcher you're going to have a hard time uh, managing the scope of a project so Mm -hmm. it's crazy and i'm still learning this like all the time when someone like if you're if you're conducting a study we'll say like a usability test you're trying to study mm-hmm. like, um, the purchasing flow of like uh, a retail site or something like that so you want to understand how people land on the page and how they get from there to mm-hmm. the cart and hitting submit and pay and then mm-hmm. profit. Um, if that's what you're trying to understand um, that's like a, that's a certain scope right in the process of like Designing the script and in the process of maybe iterating on your mm-hmm. recorded something, that scope could potentially explode because people just want to know too much for this particular study. Um, and then budget constraints are always a thing, like budget and time. Like we have to like launch this product by this, and then it's like, well, you know, we only have uh, 45 minutes with this participant, and you mm-hmm. know, we did we did our. our dry run, you know, we had our script and we tested it out with somebody who wasn't an actual paid participant yet just to see how long the study would take, like how long the Mm -hmm. script takes. You always want to like do a, do like a dry pilot run first before, Um, and then that tells you like, what can we take out? Like what is it that people are kind of hung up on or what is it, you know, maybe that people are going to give a lot of feedback on and you don't want to stop them. So managing the scope of your research projects is like, a, it's something that I hear people talk about. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this like longer than I've been alive. Right. So <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, if you get it, like a first gig, if you're ever a researcher by yourself, just know that that's it's an industry thing, not you.
0: Mm-hmm. But what are the pros?
1: The pros is you are the expert.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a lot of times people are, are excited to have a researcher and they've never been mm-hmm. able to work with the researcher before. That is something that I feel like should be celebrated a little bit more. Like,
0: Yeah.
1: Jewish, where people are like just in awe of, of what you bring to the table.
0: What are some resources for researchers uh, that you would recommend? Are there any sites, any books, anything like that?
1: There are. There are. Okay. So, so locally in Dallas, we have the UX Research and Strategy Meetup. Um, I would recommend subscribing to their newsletter. It's really, really okay. good. Yeah, they have a lot of job opportunities in there too. D Scout also is pretty good, they've got good articles. Um, okay. D-Scout yeah dscout is one of those um there's, there's a lot of like design and research softwares you know and they usually have like blogs and newsletters and stuff i say dscout is a really good one gosh there's so many um a lot of what i learned too is like i follow people on twitter i'm not really that much of a linkedin but i should be on linkedin
0: more but
1: yeah there's some really good researchers to follow
0: research is something that i honestly hadn't had a lot of interaction with in my career but with design, right? There's always something new coming out, right? Some new software to help us do something. What are those things for researchers that um, that you get excited for, or are there new methodologies on the horizon that's coming out and you're like, "Hey, I gotta try this."
1: Ooh, um, this goes back to like how a lot of researchers are very academic. Mm-hmm. Um, so with academic research, um, they academic researchers bring a lot of um, rigor i would say mm. a lot of rigor into applied research so applied mm. research is just basically in the private sector doing it for tech um, right right what do we call that applied research mm-hmm. um, so the, the methodologies of research generally like don't evolve on their own mm. that what evolves is the tools sometimes that we use in the environments in the different,
2: gotcha.
1: different types of products so like obviously you know uh uh like a, a study that's done in like just like a website isn't going to apply the same way to like an artificial intelligence product you know
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's
1: just like more of, of us adapting our methodologies to like newer technologies in different environments like having to do it remotely it's
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah
1: really hot topic it's really hard to do you know Contextual inquiries over Zoom. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, There's there's a there's a good actually the next meetup that UX research and strategy is having is is exactly around that. It's with um, Mm -hmm. VP of UX at um, this company called Bottle Rocket.
0: Oh, yeah, I know Bottle Rocket. Okay.
1: Yeah, Bottle Rocket Studios. They are an agency. They primarily used to be primarily like mobile apps. They were Mm -hmm. one of the first like people to be designing stuff on like the Apple Store when it Mm -hmm. first like invented. Um, yeah but uh yeah the vp there now currently is giving a talk about how to do contextual inquiry which is just a fancy way of saying like field observations and interviews how to do that remotely and mm. she's a great and i i'm signed up for that it's free y'all they're all okay free. they're on instagram actually they're one of the
2: oh okay cool
1: I usually don't use Instagram for, like, work-related things, but they're one that I do follow. They have some good content. Like, I like that they have, like, you can scroll um, Mm -hmm. pictures, and they'll have, like, really easy-to-digest blurbs, which is,
0: I appreciate Mm -hmm. that. Are there any words of encouragement for uh, Saba and Courtney specifically because they're interested in the research aspect of what we do? Can you provide them and anyone that's interested some words of encouragement?
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So trusting in like the reason that you're doing this and why you're not in some other field is a really good reminder to come back to at the end of the day like when it gets hard and you feel like no one is listening you know like you're, you're gonna um feel it's like like you know the truth because you've been talking to these users for like days sometimes weeks depending on the study and you're gonna know things and that knowledge is gonna surface in all of these other conversations that you have with these other stakeholders. And you're gonna be like, I have the answer to that, if you would just listen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gonna be, there's a constant tension there, but I think that you know, falling back on on your methodologies and the quality of your work and, and what you hear users say, um, you can't argue those things. I'm also, <laughs> I'm actually um, co-chairing a conference. Um,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, like, the one you told me about, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's one thing I wanted to ask you all with like the few minutes we have left. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, are you all familiar with information architecture? Have you heard that term? What does it mean to you when you hear it? I would say the information architect is building out what the different layers of information are.
0: I would say, I think when I hear architecture, I always think of blueprints. So I, similar to what Saba said, it's uh, it's like building out... Um, a blueprint of how your information is going to be structured and listed and outlined um, before you even think about any type
1: of wireframes, any type of anything else, you need to kind of just structure out the information first um, so it can kind of make sense and it's pr- done in a cohesive kind of flow. So that's what I would think. That's right. That's spot on. So yeah, mm-hmm. the conference I'm running is is, is around Information club. It's just the Information Architecture Conference, but um, I'm coaching mm-hmm. it this year and it's uh, – it's been around for like 20 years. It's a national, Mm. you get people from all over the world that come to it. But um, I asked that because information architecture, I think is, sometimes I think of that as the backbone of design. Mm. Like Mm -hmm. after after research, like Mm -hmm. your information architecture, right? Because you're exactly right when you think of it as like architecture of like a blueprint or like a physical environment. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you think about a physical environment, you know, what do you need out of that? You need to, um, you need to know how to find your way around, which mm-hmm. means you need to know where you are. You need to mm-hmm. know where you're going and how you're going to get there. So, like mm-hmm. navigation of like uh for for software, like what's what are your menu items? What are your what's your navigation mm-hmm. from point of view? Um, mm-hmm. And then is the information displayed in a way that makes sense for you to find what you mm-hmm. need? By the way, um, mm-hmm. there's so much to it, and it's it's an awesome like. Field in itself, and I think mm-hmm. that it's um it's kind of it's kind of scary actually that it's not mm-hmm. taught and it's not um, known about. A lot. When when people talk about UX, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a lot of want to just think about like pictures and you know the visuals of it. Um, right, I- IA is one of those things where I'm striving right now to uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: get more accessible and more like just easy to talk about because like if you just look at the words information in R&D, it's not hard to understand what it is but right i think it's gotten to a point where it's uh first off also very very homogenous like more mm. than the reference design and also mm-hmm. it's, it's very academic but mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be and it's supposed to no
0: be so- teresa i can't thank you enough this is good